Hello, and welcome once again to Cave the Cross Apologetics. I'm Patrick. I'm Tony. And uh, if you uh, have been joining us so far, we're in the kind of the smack dab in the middle of our book, Truth in a Culture of Doubt, mm -hmm. Engaging Skeptical Challenges to the Bible. And uh, it's with our uh, authors of, of this, and each kind of author has their own type of section, and they're, they're pulling examples from their own uh, work, uh, Andreas Kostenberger, Daryl Block, and Josh Chetra. And uh, this time we're getting into chapter three, are the biblical manuscripts corrupt? And Barterman, who they're responding to, uh, did what we thought no one could do, which was popularize textual criticism of the New Testament. <laughs> yeah, go figure, right? Yeah. We should make uh, clear that it doesn't mean that each one has uh, uh, written each chapter, right? right? It's pretty, you, you can't really tell who yeah. wrote what, right? Sometimes yeah. they'll they'll talk about a specific example from their life and they put their name in, in a bracket right. so right. That, that you know that uh, when they say me or I, yeah. Yeah. who they're talking about. So, right. yeah, this right. is definitely a collaboration uh, that... Uh, that uh, is uh, jointly done by all of them, and so um, and so. Here's Bart Ehrman's kind of most notable book, misquoting Jesus, that they're responding to, and obviously one chapter isn't going to do um, a, a, a lot of work, but it's going to give you the general outline of what he's talking about, and then also uh, some of the responses. So, um, some of the claims addressed that we have uh, are uh, these are Bart Ehrman's kind of. Um, points that he's making that are being responded to. Yeah, and, and, and so the chapter is, are the biblical manuscripts corrupt, mm -hmm, right? So, right. you know, and this is a huge deal because right. if they are, we're in trouble. Right. Why? We right. don't have the word of God. We right. don't have the word of God. We yeah. don't know uh, why Jesus rose from the dead, if yeah. he rose from the dead, uh, how the Christian church got started, on what basis was it started, on yeah. what basis was it founded. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an important concept. Uh, you don't have to hold to inerrancy. I mean, we would, um, but uh, but uh, the fact is that what we know of the uh, faith portion of the the Christian faith, which is, you know, it okay, Jesus rose from the dead. So what? Yeah. yeah. The the so what is important, and it's only through revelation is how we understand the the importance of that. So, yeah. In a random genetically mutated universe dead men <laughs> can rise from the dead there, there's there's nothing that precludes that right it, it might happen rarely but it, there's nothing to say within a chaotic universe of of nothing exploding and then everything being here in perfect <laughs> order from a minute details to where we're measuring things in a 220 second dimension to <laughs> you know the, the big things of of the sun not exploding in our face constantly uh, you know, dead men can rise from the dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really. Anything can happen, right. probably. Right. Yeah, yeah. Even, yeah. even, even if he predicts it. So, right. so it, it's crazy through the word of God <laughs> that we we put our trust that our, we have our confidence. Um, you know, we, we we understand that the the faith there is is um, is not just uh, bl blindly leapt into, but uh, it's one based on evidence, on testimony, and then on a. Uh, 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 process of seeing what scripture says and then us seeing the truth of that and it, it uh, matching up internally consistently and then us defending that as apologists yeah. or yeah. Uh, um, looking outside and, and looking at other people's uh, presuppositions, other people's worldview and seeing how inconsistent it is and seeing. Uh, and, and we need to add the, the witness of the Holy Spirit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's one of the things that, that, that is promised to us in Scripture, and so shouldn't we see that also in our lives? And so yeah. that, that's one of the ways as well. 
Um, so here, uh, Bart Ehrman makes uh, six uh, different types of claims according to uh, are the biblical manuscripts corrupt? Uh, the first one is we don't have the original New Testament manuscripts. Okay. We only have copies of copies of copies and then of copies of copies of copies. <laughs> However many copies you want to put in there to make it sound like, oh, oh man, now I should doubt. Yeah. We do have it. So we only have these copies. So we have no idea. We don't have any idea whatsoever if what we have now is what the original manuscripts said. Okay. Well, that, that would be a problem. All right. Uh, while my, uh, the second one is while many variants or differences in the New Testament manuscripts are insignificant, in many cases, the likely original reading is highly disputed. Wow. And the most likely rendering affects core theological beliefs. Okay. So, you know. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Well, if that's not in the original manuscripts and that's just inserted later, well, what does that mean? Yeah. It could yeah. mean that there are many different paths. Right. We don't know. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> Third one is um, there are more variants, more differences <coughs> of these differences, these changes from the copies in the New Testament manuscripts than there are words in the entire New Testament. Wow. Something like 400,000 differences. But what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boy, it sounds crazy, right? right. It sounds like, whoa, yeah, you know, right. overwhelming. Right. You know? There's not 400,000 words in the New Testament. <laughs> uh, fourth one is uh, early Christians did not have the means to copy text accurately. These are just country bumpkins who are throwing right. mud at the wall. <laughs> they have no clue what anything is. That's right. I, Most of them couldn't read. I, I'm surprised we lived as far as we did in civilization. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we shouldn't expect... This uh, uh, level of detail and theological uh, developments and, and uh, the ability to accurately uh, transpose ideas into, into words and then copy them along to, for other people. Yeah. Um, uh, fifth one, uh, the Orthodox scribes intentionally change scripture at such a high doctrinal level that it is impossible to know for certain if an early scribal corruption has occurred in the transmission. Wow. So they just <laughs> deliberately and intentionally changed right. this, what, what the scripture yeah. said. Right? So, so yeah. you have, you have uh, this cabal of, of leaders who are saying, Ooh, uh, we, 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 we don't want um, uh, this, um, this idea of, of reincarnation to, to get out there because then people won't live for right now. They'll live for, for future uh, you know, uh, uh, reindwellings. And so we want their money now. And right. so let's change it so that, that they're beholden to us for their salvation. So we, we so, need to put that yeah. in. There. So these disorganized, <laughs> illiterate country bumpkins changed yeah. the scriptures. Right. right. We're yeah. smart enough to change this yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, affect uh, the, the main factors of Christian doctrine so much that everyone got in line. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. And then, uh, might makes right and, and, and you know, the <laughs> pitchforks make before the Roman church, they, they came in and, and swept through and made sure that was, uh, uh entirely doable. Okay. A claim. <laughs> and our last one is that it is useless to say that the Bible is the inspired word of God when we don't have the original words, mm. a high claim, but we'll see if that claim uh, is accurate and renders out. Yeah. So again, this is kind of what made Bart Ehrman popular it, it made him a household name. Uh, he's cited, he's, uh, he's there for debates. And so we see him, um, uh, arguing these facts. Um, and so like any good scholarship, he engages in, uh, debates and we see those online. And, uh, unfortunately when we come to his more popular books, he seems to leave out a lot of stuff. Yeah. And so that's yeah. what, uh, what we're going to cover, 
as we uh, go through this chapter. So again, right. like we did last time, we're kind of taking these claims one by one, and uh, depending on how far we get, uh, that's that's going to be your episodes for the for the weeks. So. Yeah, yeah, good. So uh, this chapter begins with a question: How much evidence is enough? <laughs> right? And uh, <laughs> notice what they say here. They say that Bart Erdman's beliefs make him skeptical toward the likelihood of, of the miraculous, mm-hmm. right? He's in that, you know, uh, can miracles really happen, right? right? Yet in the light of his New Testament time bestseller, misquoting Jesus on, uh, of all things, textual criticism, right. <laughs> perhaps he should reconsider, right? Because who <laughs> wants to read it? Why would hundreds and hundreds of people want to read about right. textual criticism, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. So at least uh, they say that part of the reason for the attraction of misquoting Jesus is that Erdman explains how we actually got the Bible, you know, that sits in our pews mm-hmm. and on our shelves, right. right? So that's kind of an interesting thing that, that piqued uh, folks' interest, yeah. apparently, right? Yeah, so, so we, we talked about this kind of fundamentalism that Erman has, but there are many fundamentalists who have this view that, you know, uh, God has kind of uh, beamed his word into people and, and that, you know, it's, it's, it's a hundred percent exactly uh, in the, the American English uh, and, and, and <laughs> right. we're, we're, we're translating it into the, the, the heathen languages and, and so, uh, you know, there, there's no there's American the, Midwest yeah, English, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> of, of like 1980, yeah. pretty much, uh, or 47, depending on which which version of the 1611 that, that you have. Uh, and, and so, um, you know, where where that, that's where the the translation process begins and ends is that we have it in English. It's good enough. It was good good enough for Daddy. It was good enough for me. And we're 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 um, making sure that the uh, the the Inuits and uh, other people in the Papua New Guinea can can uh, read the English that that we can. And, that's right. And so, unfortunately, that's not at all what the history of. <laughs> it's important to understand the history, and Bart Ehrman has popularized it and and made people think, oh, there's more to the story. And so, then within that scope, within that framework that that you're providing them an accurate one, uh, from there it seems like you can play around a lot because you're you're already getting people out of that mindset of like oh yeah how exactly did we get the bible yeah yeah um so there's and has been an unfortunate lack of awareness by most basic facts about the bible's transmission i.e the process by which the bible has been preserved over centuries um so they call that transmission right right. yeah how how it's been preserved right from when it was written to what we have now. Right. Right? And yeah. so just as you can have this uh, idea of, of it being beamed in people's heads, you can have just the other idea of fundamentalism is that it's been copied a zillion and a half times. And so like the game of telephone, you can never really tell where you come from. Yeah. I'm surprised it even reads the way it does yeah. with it. Smooth, how yeah. smooth it is. Right. It, it even makes sense at all. I right? mean, that yeah. that's not usually how the game of telephone works. Of course, in some the people end. would say it doesn't make sense. Right? <laughs> right. Who, who right, raises, who rises from the dead? Right? That makes <laughs> yeah. sense. <laughs> right. How, how dare he? Uh, likely part of the reason that people have not thought deeply or at all about how the Bible is transmitted is that we live well after the invention of the Gutenberg printing press. So yeah. when, when we think of like, well, we have a copy of it. Well, you just put it in a Xerox machine or, you know, you hit the print button from the Internet. Uh, but it's more kind of along the lines of a, a, a better version of the Wikipedia. That's you know, right. Not everyone can change it, but there's a process by, by which uh, you can you can see people have copied from an original source, and uh, if there are changes within it, it doesn't seem as as um, as dramatic as what 
one side of the extremes or the other has made it out to be. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Obviously, our Bibles haven't been Gutenberg copies <laughs> right. like that, right? Until much, much later. That's right. In the ancient world, copies were made by hand, quite frankly. And if you wanted something copied, you'd hire a scribe, right? Uh, but no matter how careful the scribe, occasional mistakes would happen. Mm -hmm. Also, um, to add to this fact, that scribes in the ancient world may have copied a manuscript by uh, not just Writing, looking and writing down, but also by hearing it read. Right, right? Yeah. 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 So rather than seeing it, uh, and so sources of error could multiply if because, you, you know, you didn't hear correctly or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of opportunities for mistakes to be sure. made when you're making these copies right. by hand. Right. right. We're in a wallet room. We have a lot of paper in front of us. We have unlimited amount of ink. You didn't really have that much done. <laughs> if, if you didn't have candles after, you know, 5.58 p.m., then you pretty much had to put the pen and quill down yeah. and figure out where you were the next day. Yeah. It's yeah. Not, not at all what we can do these days. <laughs> so, therefore... Sleep um, with the fing your finger yeah, on the right, text, yeah, right? Yeah, right there. <laughs> Just don't move. Don't yeah. snore. So, therefore, with thousands of copies that, that we call uh, manuscripts of New Testament, um, uh, you know, you sometimes hear these, oh, this is P45, this is P50, um, you know, th these, these fragments... Uh, we, we uh, a body of work that uh, that uh, uh, is, is discovered is found. Mm -hmm. uh, we call them manuscripts, and mm -hmm. so um, there are different types of manuscripts and different types of, of preservation. So, uh, with all these different uh, manuscripts of the New Testament that we have, scholars make comparisons in order to see where changes have been made to text at different stages in its transmission. Yeah, so consider now, you know, here is, uh, you know, let's say John's Gospel, and people are. Uh, getting a copy of it, they they want to make sure that they have it so they can read it in, you know, in their house, church, or whatever. Right. And so they make a copy, you know, right, they or they have a scribe uh, put down a copy, and then you know perhaps pass it on to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so you have this all over the place, thousands of copies right. of these things. And not only that, uh, you know, the next generation has copies that they make of that because it's the scripture, right? Mm -hmm. And so thousands and thousands of these manuscripts are, are spread throughout, not only during the first, second, third centuries, but also through time, right, until we get mm -hmm. to here. So Yeah, and location. So we call certain uh, collections of these families because they have certain of the same qualities from a region or, um, you know, you, you just have uh, uh, Paul, uh, Paul writing for a letter and he says, tell the churches, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Well, how do you do that right. with without amplification, without right. the Internet? Well, you take that and then you read it to your church and then you go, okay, hold on. Well, this is dressed to us, yeah. so we're going to keep it because Paul's autograph is going to be worth <laughs> something someday. We can sell it on eBay. And so we're going to get local scribes who in the Roman world – uh, it's a it's a, a well known source of, of of carrying over from the Athenian tradition of 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 having a uh, uh, a value in scribes and letters and, and all sorts of information, and so then you also have uh, the uh, the inclusion of not just the poor slave back in the day, but those those darn rich people were were getting in, and so yeah. where did they get this money from? <laughs> well, from the congregation. Yeah. So so yeah. All, all these things lend to this <clears throat> idea of of why um, uh, different copies were were made. 
And so when, when we look at these differences, scholars call these uh, changes a variance. And mm-hmm. this could be anything from an inclusion of a word to a deleting of a word to uh, a yeah. whole text. And, and so you could have, I have John chapter 8 only. It's the only surviving one. And so uh, maybe the first part is, is, is deleted off due to, to, to destruction of, of, of the actual physical text. Well, then there's a variant in there because we don't have that word. And so uh, when we're comparing, we would say, oh, we don't have the first word of, of John 1. Right. Or what, yeah. what in this be. text, mm-hmm. but maybe other texts have that word, right? right? Other manuscripts. And yes. so that's kind of how we, you know, how the process works. Right. right? And, and there, are, there are, you know, th- there are looking at uh, d- uh, differences, uh, you know, uh, for God so love world that he gave his only son. Okay, not, th- there should be the word the in there. So where does that come from? Are, are we deleting the text? Should uh, We don't have the word of God if we don't know that there's a, an awkward, no definite article there. Right. Or do we understand that, okay, uh, you know, b- between these two lines, uh, for God so loved the and on the next one, it's world that he gave his only son. Right. And so we thought we got to the end of the line, and I'm starting to copy uh, from the next one. And so we, as, as scholars, when they do this, this textual criticism, they look at different, and they, they have cataloged and categorized uh, various reasons why uh, uh, something is included or not included, or why more is included. Mm-hmm. So if you're, you're, uh, if, if you're new to the faith and you're copying an old manuscript that has notes in the margin, and you want to be accurate to the scripture, well, is yeah. that in the original or is that not? Yeah. So I'm going to copy the everything notes. just yeah. to make sure. So yeah, exactly. uh, there's terminology for that, um, all sorts of different ones. And again, uh, we can't cover the whole subject here, but um, there are a lot of good books. Uh, I always point to uh, James White's um, uh, 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 King James Only Controversy. doesn't d- just deal with the King James, but also is a very good primer uh, for looking at these kind of types of of variance and, mm-hmm. and, and seeing just how confident we can be in knowing that the, that we have the original text in our hands and uh, we're getting better every year. And uh, the work of um, uh, CBGM, I believe uh, doing um, high, high, high graphic scans of, of, and cataloging all the different types of manuscripts we have. That's a lot of work that's uh, mm-hmm. going into uh, making sure that we're, we're, we're confident in the exact, um, words that the authors intended us to read. Uh, so textual criticism is this field of research that studies the various ancient manuscripts to elevate the different manuscripts uh, to, uh, uh, I'm sorry, to evaluate the different manuscripts mm-hmm. and their variant readings to determine which reading is the closest to the original. So that's kind of a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a discipline, right? Mm-hmm. It's a literary discipline yeah. where they, they actually, this is what they do. Right. right? Yep. Uh, peer review stuff. Uh, Bart Ehrman is a textual critic, and and uh, and rightfully so. He's done a lot of good work. He's worked with some of the very best. He and debate within this this field is paramount. It's mm-hmm. needed, and so um, just because someone has written a popular book and gotten popularized doesn't mean he's the be all end all. But also, just because we disagree with him doesn't mean that he's a wackadoodle who's <laughs> on the fringe of of you know ancient aliens or something right, like that. Right. So in doing so, uh, text critics uh, consider both uh, an external and internal evidence Mm -hmm. as as you would want to do for any work of literature at all. 
Right. So external evidence refers to the respective readings in the available manuscripts. So this, you com- you're comparing these various readings and that sort of thing. Right? Internal evidence has to do with the way a given variant fits, fits in the context of a particular passage. Right. So when assessing the external evidence, the scholar is likely to ask questions like, what is the date of a given manuscript? Right. So what's the date of this manuscript? Right. That's external evidence, right? And generally, of course, the older the manuscript, the more likely it reflects the original reading. I mean, that's what we would think. Oh, this is an older one, so maybe this is closer to what um, the original said. However, uh, how early a manuscript uh, produced is not always the most significant right. piece of evidence, right? If the manuscript is a, uh, a copy that came from a uh, reliable scribe uh, who does a good job, then the copy is reliable, even though it's not necessarily the earliest copy, mm-hmm. right? So that's kind of external uh, evidence and external uh, criticism, right? So when it comes to the internal evidence, the textual critics uh, generally prefer the more difficult reading on the premise that it is more likely that a scribe would have tried to smooth out a reading rather than in, uh, introduce a difficulty. So that's kind of interesting, right? Mm-hmm. So which one? So you have a couple of texts here, right? Or you have a couple of different readings in this, and they say, well, per- perhaps the uh, the dip- more difficult reading is the better reading because. You know, this yeah. uh, scribes would have tried to make it easy, right? Right, <laughs> especially for themselves. Yeah. You know, it, you know th- think about think about what what you do when when you're writing something down. Aren't you kind of you know you your 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 masterfulness of the of the English language or whatever language it says? You know the rules and and spellings and kind of how things flow and punctuation, and so you're most likely to hear something and then kind of copy it in the way that, that you know that it's going to go. And so if, if you uh, mis, misheard something, instead of going back, you're going you're gonna to use those, those presuppositional rules that you have in place for your language to kind of smooth it out, to, mm-hmm. to, to, mm-hmm. to, to give a reading that, that you would be familiar with. And so things like, um, I remember, um, you never want to start a biblical Greek learning first or second Peter, because <laughs> first or second Peter is probably written by the hand of Peter, yeah. and it shows. It, it shows why he wanted to use Mark for the Gospel of Mark, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that yeah. it's so uh, uh, clunky and disjointed mm-hmm. uh, sometimes. So why do we have First and Second Peter? It seems like uh, you'd have to have a really masterful person that's that's trying to uh, inundate us with, with the, the false doctrine in there for it to, to read the way that it does. Why mm-hmm. not just say, oh, uh, this is from the hand of Peter, and... Look here. Here's the nice thing, and it's from the scholar. So you know we don't have to. We don't have to. Um, you know, um, m- make any uh, uh, apologies for the the bad grammar. But no, it's it's all there. <laughs> um, and so uh, when scholars also tend to prefer also the, then the the shorter reading because they believe that as a rule, again sometimes rules aren't uh, aren't always there, but as a general rule. Scribes would have added words for explanatory purposes. Right. Like, so, so the shorter reading mm-hmm. then is the better reading. Like you were saying earlier, you know, they might have added the notes there right, right into it because they weren't sure what you know what was going on. And so, you know, not only is it uh, the the more difficult reading is what they use, but also the shorter reading mm-hmm. is what they use. Right. right. Yeah. Right. What you know it, with these passages that that we cite for. Um, uh, you know, evidence of the Trinity and uh, the belief that, you know, the Trinity is an intertestimonial uh, um, uh, 
revelation uh, to believers. You know, if, if you're introducing this weird doctrine of the Trinity right in the middle of, you know, Romans, you know, why doesn't Paul, you know, say, and what I mean by this is that God is one being in three persons, right, you right. know? Mm-hmm. So if, if, if you have the scribe who's, who's, you know, trying to pull one over on us, then um, uh, having a longer drawn out explanation of clarifying things would probably be in your best interest, especially if you're trying to get this out to more people to, to, to fleece the church as well. <laughs> so yeah, remember the idea is to find uh, the, uh, as close as get as close as we can to the right. original text, right. right? That's what we're trying to do through this process. Right. And also uh, textual critics take a close look at the style and vocabulary of a given author say then the Gospel of John in seeking to determine which of the number of variant readings is most likely what John originally wrote. Right. And so we do this thing with uh, with Hebrews. Yeah. Hebrews, we go, well, this is, this is very Pauline in terminology used, but the Greek is a higher Greek like Luke would use. And so, <laughs> you know, what, what is this? What, what does that mean? Who? And so we have really fun debates on, you know, who, who, who wrote who Hebrews? Hebrews, well, yeah. The idea maybe is that uh, uh, Paul is giving the sermon in Hebrew to the Hebrews, kind of makes sense, and then someone like Luke or, or someone along his lines is then hearing that and transcribing it into the Greek version that he is is known for, and then, um, you know, uh, there, there too is... is um, a textual critic is going to evaluate well high greek it's not the normal greek of john mm-hmm. john's writing for a common very right. coigne right. uh common greek and so uh you would say oh well it seems to be more lukean in in this word here or over here and and john would would tend to john is all over the the, the world with the <laughs> use of the word world yeah and so uh you know uh it, it, sometimes when we when we read john's stuff and he says a world we have to clarify. Well, he means like all types of people here because right. unless you become a universalist, which would contradict John and gospel <laughs> John, then that wouldn't quite make sense. And so there's a lot of work to be done when you're doing translation stuff, when you're looking at these textual variants. And the good thing about it is we have a lot to go off. Yeah. yeah. Which not a lot of, of ancient texts do. <laughs> so uh exciting stuff right i like Woo-hoo! it i got into it so you know our, our i would author- be one that picked up burt ehrman's book <laughs> yeah absolutely our authors tell us that no doubt this is informative and likely interesting to some but clearly it's uh it's explanation of textual criticism can hardly explain the success oh. of misquoting jesus right it, that it has today in popular culture right i mean yeah a lot, some people would really you know get into this stuff but that doesn't <laughs> mean you know everybody would and especially not as many people who um who bought the book made it a bestseller yeah Yeah. so instead what happened well they're suggesting that the skeptical conclusions that uh, erdman draws from his study have likely generated the attention uh, that the book got right i mean there's a reason that uh there's a lot of skeptical books that come out during christmas and easter i yeah. mean the, the, there's a reason that they're put out and 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 lauded as the the big revelation that's right the, what the, really happened the, this is the truth <laughs> that jesus went to uh to to india and that's he right. became the dalai lama <laughs> something along those lines so here, here's an example um, uh, um urban writes if he, that is God, uh, really wanted people to have his actual words, surely, so this is a really skeptical type right. of thing, right? If he wanted, really wanted people to have his actual words, surely he would have 
miraculously preserved those words, just as he had miraculously inspired them in the first place. Right. So given the circumstances that he didn't preserve the words, the conclusion seemed inescapable to me, Erdman tells us, that he hadn't gone to the trouble of inspiring them. Right? Oh, okay. So if we don't have a, a perfect, miraculously preserved written words, then he's suggesting that we don't have, that God didn't inspire, right? Because God would have, you know, made sure that what he wanted us to have would have been perfect, would have been <laughs> miraculously preserved, and we'd have literally have exactly what Peter mm-hmm. or Paul or John wrote, right? Right. In terms of, you know, their their own handwriting, <laughs> everything else, or their scribes' yeah. handwriting, and if, that if, sort of if, thing. If you yeah. tried to tear this parchment it wouldn't be able to tear or that's burn right. it that's if, right. if, if you try to copy it yourself you wouldn't uh, let you copy right right it. You, yeah. you'd stop it for for god hated and you couldn't quite draw it because god right. knew and he would stop your hand yeah so so nobody could really copy something different right. you, if you were to copy it you'd copy it exactly the way right. it was right right and that sort of thing yeah, yeah. wow yeah again <laughs> the fundamentalism of bert ehrman is is on display here yeah or by just saying by what standard do you have that that you hold god God to, to, to this. If if I were God, okay, well, you know, that's that's something that, uh, you know, Dawkins would say, oh, if I was God, I wouldn't have designed it this way. Something there are trade-offs to the, that type of design. And so for Ehrman, here's a standard that he's created that he's just kind of saying, okay, here's what I think the logical conclusions of what God would do are. Yeah. yeah. But, so- but yeah, I mean, uh, uh, unless if you're, you're cu- coming from um, an, an understanding of who God is, then how do you know what this unknown God is? Yeah, yeah. So the argument can be put something like this, right? If uh, if the scriptures are inspired, then they would have been miraculously preserved. They weren't miraculously preserved. Right. Therefore, they weren't uh, inspired, right? And so that's kind of the, you know, that's kind of the form that this particular argument, it's a deductive argument. Uh, the form is called um, modus tollens, actually. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's kind of interesting here in terms of how, how this is argued. Right. Now, so it's it's a, it's a valid argument, mm-hmm. but we want to know, is it sound? Is right. it true? Right. right? The, do we agree with the premise? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Ehrman's work has grabbed the attention of multitudes because the implications are obvious. If he's correct, we have no reason to have the confidence that we that what we are reading is what the original authors really wrote and the traditional Christian beliefs in the inspiration of scripture is undermined. So we just came up with all these things through a general course of history and we're just keep adding to them in the hopes that no one notices. Uh, we don't even have a man behind the, the curtain. Yeah. 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 So we're just, we're just, uh, it's we not just even a smoke. curtain. Yeah. It's, it's a smoke screen, nothing else. <laughs> so, uh, in the rest of this chapter, uh, you will see that, uh, Ehrman's interpretation is born out of an unduly skeptical approach. Uh, and, and one that I think, uh, the, the authors do a, a pretty decent job in the space provided, yeah. uh, with, with some, uh, quotes from Ehrman himself that show that, uh, he has, uh, pretty much an impossible, impossible bar for him. Uh, that he's established to uh, to even uh, consider taking seriously that uh, that what we have is is uh, uh, the accurate um, originals uh, the, the 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 original words mm-hmm. that were provided in the original text. 
Uh, and so uh, this uh, stands in direct conflict with many other scholars in the field and even some of his own conclusions. Yeah, so, you know, this is his position, right? And what they're suggesting here is, well, lots of people disagree. And not only that, uh, in terms of some of his writings, he seems to be contradicting himself, right? Mm-hmm. Are conflicting with what he said right. earlier and that right. sort of thing, right? And e- even when you have uh, scholars and scholars that we would agree with too point to something, say, "Well, uh, we probably should um, uh, put a note in our our study Bibles for this and say this one, this passage or this uh, verse was most likely not in the original." And so, what that should also do is inform the the, the person reading it that there's more reading to be done about that. Well, yeah. then why is it here? How did it get here? Uh, you know, where did it go? Depending on where it's at. And so uh, you have those things like, um, you know, the, the, um, the communion or, or the, the, um, the, 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 uh, the longer end, you know, Mark is, is one and uh, the pricopay adultery. That's another one. Right. Or the, um, I think it's first uh, John, there are three of them that mm-hmm. testify in heaven. Yeah. He's going to, they're going to talk about mm-hmm. these here. Yeah. 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 And so, so, so uh, there are ones that we would freely admit and unlike, and, and the freely admit is, is, is important, right? Yeah. There's no hidden agenda, right? <laughs> right? We know what the issues and the problems <laughs> it's been are in our Bibles for That's a while. Right. They make notes so that, you know, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, this may be, may not be exactly, it may be, you know, read like this. Right. So there's various. And so you can, you know, consider it yourself. Right. You can, as you said, study it yourself mm-hmm. and come to your own conclusions. And, right? and so one of the things that Bart Ehrman has done is he's, brought to light this this hidden agenda that not even the preachers are talking about but that that's more against the preachers than it is against <laughs> uh, uh, biblical scholarship and, and people who continue to believe even after finding out about this and there's importance to those those things and 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 the, the very fact that we can identify those things also helps us to have confidence that we can identify what the original manuscripts uh, have said as well. Mm-hmm. So Ehrman er- er- himself admits that uh, we have more manuscripts of the Bible than any other piece of literature from yeah. antiquity, but nonetheless denies its reliability. And so you have things like the Quran and the Uthman revision. And so, uh, you know, in, in uh, the modern uh, Quranic uh, uh, st- standard for the English, or if you can read the, the, the uh, Arabic, um, there's usually only one, maybe two uh, versions that you can get. You don't have the C note, you know, A2 for, for this not being in the original or, right, right. or an explanation for uh, why this is here when it was probably over here is, uh, is not founded within the scope of, of that type of uh, literature. Mm. Uh, and so it, it, even comparing uh, uh, works of antiquity that were around the same time as the New Testament, uh, we are overgorged with manuscripts. And that's a good thing. Uh, but then that also mul- multiplies those evil variants, <laughs> which are actually good as well. Right, right. And so uh, let's we can end it there, right? That's kind of the introduction yeah. to this chapter, right? In terms of how much um, you know, evidence is mm-hmm. enough evidence. And so you know, this is kind of a kind of a give us a feel for where we're headed. And now we're going to jump into these various claims that we have. Right. right? And again, th- this is this is n- n- nothing new. Uh, is is being revealed by Bart Ehrman here. Uh, the fact that on day one of, of the publishing of his of some of his books, um, scholars have come out in response to it is because we've already been addressing that. We've already been having that conversation. And so just popularizing it 
you know, good for him. He's made his money, and not saying that's the only factor, <laughs> right. uh, but the, the very fact that there have been responses um, uh, seems to be an important acknowledgement that one one should have. And so there are other people out there uh, doing the hard work, including uh, Andres Kostenberger with uh, with uh, Michael J. Kruger. And so we'll lift a lot of those books as, as we go along. Uh, mm. James White's one. Uh, you know, you have Gary Habermas, you, you have uh, all sorts of people, you have uh, Lydia McGrew, uh, looking at um, both an external and an internal uh, type of, 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 of uh, understanding. Uh, Bruce Mencher. Yeah. I mean, all, all, the, all these people who held on to their faith, yeah. even after Amazing. finding that, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the longer ending of Mark probably wasn't there. <laughs> okay, well, what does that mean? And so, yeah. uh, you know, d- d- don't lose heart and, and understand that we're not going to be able to cover all that. And there's there's more books that you have to buy, unfortunately. So uh, <laughs> d- depending on you know how, how old we are able to get, um, then uh, we'll, we'll figure out if we can cover all those. Too. <laughs> so uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, continue to, uh, you know, uh, do your thing with uh, supporting the channel. Uh, we appreciate it. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time.